Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. Today's scripture comes from Matthew 27, verses 15 through 23, and then 27 through 31. Let's give our attention to the reading of God's holy word. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. And they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Who do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. Now the chief priests and elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor again said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? They all said, Let him be crucified. And he said, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Let him be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, And twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. When they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. And so, Lord, we do pray that your spirit, your goodness, your truth, your grace would be upon us. And so, Lord, we do pause in the midst of a, of a world that, that is swirling around us with so much unknowns to focus on something we do know, that you are Lord, and you are the King of kings, and you are the hope of the world. You are Jesus, and we worship you today. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Do you know what that's from? It's from one of my favorite songs of all time. All right, do you know? One Shining Moment. Now, um, typically, right now, um, we would be in the midst of a bracket um, and of the NCAA tournament, and we would just be, uh, I would be enjoying every moment of it. I love the NCAA tournament. Um, and one of my favorite things to do is to watch one shining moment at the end of the championship game, which would be next Monday night. Um, and at the end of the game, they, they put all these highlights together, and they talk about this one shining moment. And so I just love that song, and I love everything to do with March Madness. In fact, one of my griefs uh, th- that's happened and in some ways it feels small in the context of everything that's happening in the world is that we didn't get the joy of that. And I didn't get the joy of filling out a bracket that I felt so confident about 
on Wednesday, the first weekend, and by Sunday evening, it was just torn to shreds. Now, one of the things that would, would happen is that I would always just go ahead and when I'd fill out my bracket, the, the number one seeds would play 16 seeds, all right? So the best four teams in the country would play these last teams that would get into the tournament. Uh, typically, uh, a smaller school that won its conference tournament, maybe they weren't uh, even the best team in their own league, but because they won the tournament, they got to go to the big dance. And so these one versus 16 games would happen. Now, up until 2018, the one seeds were 132 and zero versus the 16 seeds. 132 and zero versus um, the 16 seeds. That's a pretty good bet. And so you'd always just write down the one seed just to, to go on that way. But in 2018, something kind of crazy happened. That the number one seed, Virginia Cavaliers, played UMBC, University of Maryland, Baltimore County. All right. Now, the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, they had not had much success um, in any NCAA tournament, and they really had had a, just an okay year. Um, probably the, the low light of their year, actually, was they lost to Albany, who I can't imagine was any world beaters, 83 to 39. All right. I mean, again, 83 to 39, you lose a game. And they're playing against Virginia, who's not only a number one seed, but the number one ranked team in the country for the last month of the basketball season. They had only lost two games that whole entire year until they came up against UMBC. And in that game, just a couple of years ago, Virginia lost 74 to 54. They were slaughtered by the team that got slaughtered to Albany, all right? Um, it was this huge, huge, massive upset, something we've never seen in the NCAA tournament before. Um, and, and really, the reason why is because the tournament is designed for the higher seeds to win. The number one seed gets to play the 16th seed. They're supposed to win. The best teams play the worst team. And if they win, then they get to play an eight or a nine seed instead of playing a, a better team. The tournament is designed for the best teams to go to the Final Four. And that's the way it's supposed to happen, is the best teams keep moving forward. Now, obviously, we get updates, uh, upsets from time to time, and that's what makes it fun. But again, the whole design is for the best teams to win. They have the easiest path. And when I was thinking about March Madness and I was thinking about this story with, with Pilate, I actually thought, you know, this is what I think Pilate was trying to do, is he was trying to set it up so that Jesus would be the one who would be set free over Barabbas. He actually set it up as best as he could that he wouldn't have to deal with this problem, but instead Jesus would be the one that the people chose to set free. It's really this matchup of Jesus versus Barabbas. And so it's really interesting how sort of it's set up for us in our scripture because Pilate really didn't want much to do with Jesus. Um, one of the things that it says is in verse 18, it says he knew that it was out of envy that he had delivered him up. And so he knew that, that he, the reason why they brought Jesus is not because he was guilty, it's because they were envious. And so he thought, you know what, I don't really have any evidence to support what is about to happen. And so he thought, you know what, I don't really want to have much to do with them. Now the other thing that, that happens in our scripture is that his wife told him, don't have anything to do with it. Now, um, gentlemen, we may have had this experience. Your wife tells you, I don't have a good feeling about that or him or her or whatever the case may be. And, uh, and, and oftentimes we should listen all the time. We should listen to that, right, Ruben? Um, all the time we should listen to that. When, when, when your spouse has that sort of inkling, I don't have a good feeling about this. 
And so he had that. And then he also, um, he, he asked in verse 23, what evil has this man done? Um, what, what evil has he done? And so he, Pilate here doesn't see any reason why Jesus should be the one that should be arrested. And so he had this custom where he could release one prisoner. And so do I release the person who hasn't done any evil, who you're just jealous with, who my wife says don't have anything to do with, all right? Or who do I match him up against? And so the choice seems obvious to people. Now, I sometimes do this as a dad, is I, make, I, make, I give my kids choices, right? And so Micah and Kaysen, if you're watching this, um, and I know that you are, um, you know, sometimes we'll say stuff like, you can either clean your room or you can never play Roblox again for the rest of your life, all right? And that's the sort of choice that we lay out there. Well, obviously, it's so obvious that they're going to clean their room because they want to play Roblox at some point in time later on, right? This are the kinds of choices that sometimes we set up. And this is what I think Pilate did. You can either have Jesus, what evil has he done, or you can choose Pilate, or, or you can choose Barabbas. And now what do we know about Barabbas? A few things. One is, it tell, Scripture tells us that he's a robber, all right, so he's stolen from people. He is an insurrectionist, all right, somebody who's stirred up uh, against Romans and other people. He is a murderer. And I love what Matthew says, is that he's notorious, all right? So there's this notorious criminal who's robbed and murdered and done all these things, all right? Or Jesus, which one of these two do you want? Now here's what happened, is that Barabbas won in an upset in Pilate's mind, and he won overwhelmingly. All right, the people said, we want Barabbas. We want the notorious prisoner. We want the one who nobody else wants anything to do with. That's who we are choosing. And so it's like, well, what should I do with Jesus? And they said, crucify him. Crucify him. Can you imagine that scene? What evil has he done? What shall I do with him? And the, the people, the crowd, they cry out, crucify him. Um, when I was uh, in high school, I was in a church choir, and I remember doing a, an Easter cantata. And at some, in some song in the midst, we were supposed to sort of um, holler out, crucify, crucify him. And there was this big old guy, he was a little bit older, I think his name was John, he, he seems like a John if his name wasn't John. And he would always shout out in the biggest booming voice, crucify him, crucify the bum. Um, and I just, uh, I just couldn't imagine, like, crucify the bum. Like, I never thought Jesus bum, but uh, I guess it works, right? But that's the crowd. There was this angry mob, and they all chose to crucify Jesus. Now, not only was Jesus crucified, but, but he was also humiliated. Uh, I mean, and, and our scripture goes on to really sort of lay out what happened to Jesus and just how humiliating it was. I mean, here is what, what it says in verse 27. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him. It wasn't just a few people. This whole battalion, all these people, gathered to see the mockery of what they were about to do. And what we see here is actually all these kingly images. Remember when, when Jesus came riding on a donkey, and, and we're going to celebrate this again on Palm Sunday, um, that there were all these kingly images that Matthew portrayed. Here we have all these other kingly images that were used to mock and humiliate Jesus. And it says they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. Now scarlet, that would be the robe that would be for the king. It was a color that signified a king. And then it said they twisted together 
a crown of thorns. All right? Now, now this is a, a totally different kind of crown. All right? This isn't, they would put it on his head, and, and this represented kingship, but in the most mockery of a way. This is the king. And it's their way of saying, doesn't this being king hurt? Is this really what you wanted, was to be a king? Well, here you go. Here is your crown. They put it on its head, and you can imagine when they put it down, they, they didn't just set it there, but they just squished it down there. They put it on his head, and then they put a reed in his right hand. The right hand, that was where the scepter would go. That would be a signifying a power. Here's something to, that where you have power. And then they knelt before him. In this mock act of worship, they knelt before him and they said, Hail, King of the Jews. Hail, King of the Jews. In the most sarcastic tone that you can imagine, this is what they did. So they spit on him. They took the reed and they struck him in the head with it. They stripped him of his robes and then they led him away to crucify him. And next week we're going to look at that some more. And Jesus went as low as anybody could go, physically, emotionally, mentally, relationally, just how humiliating and awful it had to be and how much suffering Jesus had to go through. You see, because here's the crazy thing, is that Jesus had done nothing wrong. You see, Jesus deserved freedom and received death, while Barabbas deserved death and received freedom. And I think it's obvious what Matthew is trying to communicate here in our story is that Jesus took the place of Barabbas, is that Barabbas should have been killed. He deserved death, in the, in, especially at the time and place in that world. That was what the, the crime, that was, that was the punishment for the crime then. That's what he deserved. But instead, he got freedom. While Jesus was righteous, he hadn't done any evil, even Pilate, who wasn't a Christian, who wasn't a Jewish person, even he could see that Jesus had done nothing wrong and deserved freedom. He received death. And so it really is about Jesus taking the place of a criminal. Now, as I think about this, I, one of the things I was thinking about is we may look at it and we may think, you know what, Barabbas deserves death. Um, and, and Jesus taking his place, yeah. But, but I think most of the time we think that, that we as people, um, that we're good people. All right, And I would think probably a lot of you are good people, um, but we seem to think more highly of ourselves um, than normal. Uh, I was looking up some stuff, and 88% um, of us all right, believe that we are in the top half of drivers in this country. 88% right? of us believe that we are in the top half of drivers in our country. Now, if I was preaching in the sanctuary, I would be on the lookout for people who are elbowing each other, thinking, you think you're in the top half of this, but really you're in the bottom half of this. All right? And then 65% of us believe that we are smarter than the average person. All right? So the average person thinks they're smarter than the average person. All right? And, and this is, is really what, and I also think this, is that we think that we are good people because we grade ourselves on the curve that we set up for ourselves. Let me tell you a story. When I was in ninth grade, I, I played in a, a basketball league that had sixth through ninth graders, 
all right? So I'm in ninth grade, and I'm a pretty good basketball player. I, I, play, on my, I play on my high school basketball team. I say play. I really practiced um, at Owasso High School. I didn't really play that much, but I was on the team, all right? And so I was, I was a pretty, I was a, I was a good player, all right? But when matched up against a bunch of sixth and seventh graders, I was like LeBron James, y'all, all right? I mean, I just dominated. I remember this one game, and... Um, you know, we're, we're playing against this team of, of sixth and seventh graders, and, and I, I mean, I just dominate the whole game. I get to the hole whenever I want. I mean, I'm just scoring left and right. I'm sure I have like a triple-double with like points and rebounds and steals. I mean, I am lighting it up. Now, my, my favorite moment in that game was, uh, and, and again, I have this distinct memory in my head. And so there's a, a kid on their team. He gets a pass, and he's, he's in sort of the corner, about three or four feet in front of the three-point line, all right? So I want you to imagine the scene, all right? So kid with the ball, three or four feet in front of the three-point line. And then you got a couple of feet from the three-point line until the sidelines. And then there's a couple of, of three or four feet from the sidelines until the, until the wall that ends the gym, um, and there's a brick wall there. And so this kid over there, he gets a pass, and, and I can tell he's shooting. And so I run from sort of the middle part of the court, and I go and I block his shot. And I swear, it goes at least 10 feet high on that brick wall um, up there. And I just felt so much power, you know. And I just thought, like, man, I'm so awesome, all right? I felt like this is so good. And, and I think sometimes this is what we do is, is we grade ourselves on a curve. We look at people and you say, you know what, I may not be that good, but I haven't murdered anybody. I haven't raped anybody. I didn't buy all the toilet paper. I'm not too bad, all right? We, basically, we think about ourselves that we think these things, that one, I'm basically a good person, all right? And that, that because I'm, since I'm a good person, then I deserve good things, all right? I'm basically a good person, especially compared to all these other people who are out there. I watched the Tiger King this weekend, y'all. If you want to feel good about yourself, watch that show, all right? Because, um, hey, all you crazy cats and kittens, that thing is nuts, all right? And so, like, and so sometimes what we do is we, we see these extreme behaviors and we think, oh, I'm not like them. I'm a good person. I deserve good things, all right? And thus, because I'm a good person, I deserve good things. The best thing is heaven. I deserve to go to heaven. And so we grade ourselves on sort of this curve. Like, I felt about myself when I played a bunch of sixth and seventh graders. Now, now, also in that league that I played, in the YMCA um, league, we, we played against another team, and there was this guy who was a ninth grader as well. His name was Alan Daniels. Now, Alan Daniels would go on. He was a, a star at Tulsa Union. He was an all-stater there, um, went on to play um, Division I basketball and, and just did some really successful things in college. And I want to tell you, when I matched up against Alan Daniels, I was nowhere near as good of a basketball player. All right. The way I was destroying sixth and seventh graders, he wasn't quite destroying me at the same level. All right. But I could tell that, that my goodness was nowhere near as good. And so instead of us grading ourselves on the curve that we decide, all right, we actually have to grade ourselves on the curve that God decides. And this is, this is, what, this is what God tells us. Let me read some scripture from Romans 5, um, 6, 7, and 8. God calls us weak. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Who are we? We are weak. We are ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though for, perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That you and I, we're not good people. 
without God. We are sinful people. I mean, that is really what, what Scripture tells us about who we are. We aren't these people that get to choose our own curve, but instead we choose who God says that we are. And Scripture tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us are not good. We're all, we all are in need of a Savior. And, and again, sometimes we try to justify our own behavior. We, we, we try to make sense that we're better than these other people. But Jesus, and especially in his Sermon on the Mount, he really sort of turns it up on his head. And he said, you know, you've heard that it was said unto you, you shall not murder. But I say unto you, anyone who is angry with a brother or sister has committed murder in their heart. And what Jesus says is, is have you been angry? Have you been angry this week at some of the people you've been quarantined with? That's the same as murder. My heart isn't at the place it needs to be. He says, you've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery in your mind. These words and these actions and these thoughts, all of this inside of us, we've made the choice that all of us have sinned, both with what we've done and what we've thought and what we've said. All have sinned. And the consequences of sin is death. That's what we believe, is that the consequences of sin is death. And this is really what we see in the story in Genesis, all right, with Adam and Eve, as they lived in this perfect world and everything was good, but God knew that they needed a choice, that love demands a choice. And so he gave them a choice. He said, you can eat from anything, but don't eat from this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And when they, when they chose to eat from that tree, what they realized is that God's goodness can be twisted to evil and that life means death is that for something to be alive it also means that something can die and that because they made that choice and because we make that choice that we do what we want to do instead of what God wants to do that the consequences of that the consequences of them eating that fruit was that they would understand that things die and so too as we live life and we hurt other people and we hurt ourselves with what we think, with what we say, with what we do, we contribute to death in this world. I mean, that's part of what breaks my heart about this whole situation is, is there's so much brokenness out there. And this is a reminder that, that our own behavior can lead to the death of other people. Um, even in small, minuscule ways, even if it's going out and not taking this social distancing seriously, the consequences of sin I can do this and I'm going to do what I want could lead to the death of other people. And so that's why I think it's so important for us as Christians to be leaders in this idea of social distancing, to be leaders in this idea of staying in the home, to be leaders because to love your neighbor means to not infringe upon them. And so do the essentials, do what you need to do, but be safe and be smart because the consequences of our sins in this time could be literal death for other people. And here's what God tells us, is that, the, is that only the righteous receive eternal life. Only the righteous receive eternal life. And none of us can get there on our own. None of us can be righteous because our path leads to death. And so what do we need? Is we need a savior. We need somebody who would take our place. Somebody who would stand up and say, I've got this for you. You see, we're more like Barabbas. We deserve death. But Jesus took our place, and he gives us freedom. Freedom to live 
and to follow him. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he wants to be your Savior and your Lord. We need somebody who will save us from our sins, who will, who will save us from, from the things that we've done that have made the world a worse place, that will save us into heaven. But we also need the Lord who will lead us into a new way and into a new life. And this is the gospel. It's for the gospel for Barabbas, and it's the gospel for you and I. We deserve death, but we can receive freedom. Jesus deserved freedom, but he received our death. That's really what John 3.16 means. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And I think that this is the word for today. You see, you and I, we are on a, on a course of death. Unless we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and then we're on the course of eternal life. And I know probably many of you watching this, you've, you've heard that before. Many of you have, have, have done that. And you said, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior and my Lord. I'm going to put my trust in you. I'm going to believe that you have redeemed me and that you have saved me and that your life has taken place of mine. That you received my punishment so I can receive your reward. But maybe there's some of you, you're watching this and, and you know, you put your trust in so many things that now seem ridiculous. And so maybe today is the day in which you need to put your hope in Jesus. Because here's what I know as I've been surrounded by the people of God. Even though we have our moments of anxiety and fear, the people of God have more hope in the midst of this. Because we know that earth isn't the end, but that heaven is. And so maybe for some of you today, you need to make the decision that you believe that Jesus died for you. That you believe that you can receive the promise, no matter where you rate yourself in the good and bad scale. And here's the amazing thing. It doesn't matter where you rate yourself. God says we're all sinners. We all need grace. All you have to do is believe that he is your Lord and Savior and put your trust in him. But Aaron, I've done all these bad things. It doesn't matter because Jesus died for each and every one of us. We've all sinned, but Christ died for all, and he died for you. And so I'm going to have just a little time of, of prayer, and I'm going to invite you just to kneel wherever you are. And during this, this kneeling, maybe you want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time and say, Lord, I've trusted a lot. I've put my trust in a lot of things, but not in you. And so today I want to trust Jesus. And if that's your decision today, I'd love to connect with you and help you to become a follower of Jesus Christ. And I would pray that the hope of Jesus Christ would be in you. So I'm going to invite you to kneel, and I'm going to kneel as well as we pray. And if, if you just where you are would kneel with us and, and would just pray with me, and maybe for the first time, really give your heart to Jesus. So let's pray. Lord, we pray and we confess that we are sinners. And so, Lord, we silently confess the things we've said, thought, done to you now. So, Lord, we pray that we would receive your forgiveness 
In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. And Lord, may we feel that. And may we know that. And so now I just want to pray that if anybody is making a decision to follow Jesus, to put their trust in him as their Savior who has saved them from whatever they've done and as their Lord who will lead them with hope in the midst of this, God, I just want to give them a chance in their heart to say, that's me today. And if we as the people of God would just say this prayer together, And repeat after me. Oh Lord, we trust you. We know we have sinned. We know you forgive us. We put our trust in you. As our Savior and as our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.